wake up wake up wake up it's the first of the month back again with another edition of the raptors pod table podcast gil mcgregor here with scott rafferty scott it feels like it's been a while since you and i have done one of these man how are you doing i'm doing well it has been a while but you know we're back up and rolling things uh things have been interesting for the raptors but i feel like we're gonna have a lot more things to talk about in the coming weeks so hopefully it won't be a long time before we're back on it again yeah, yeah, for sure. As I mentioned before, we're recording on February 1st. The NBA has wrapped up the first full month of action after starting in late December. Raptors just snapped a three-game losing streak. They find themselves at 8-12 and 12 right now. Getting ready to go out on the road. The Super Bowl is in Tampa this week, which means the Raptors have a six-game road trip while the hometown Buccaneers will take on the Kansas City Chiefs for the Super Bowl on the on february 7th so uh they're getting ready to head up the road first uh about nine, 90 minutes up the road to take on the magic but they're coming off a win over the magic which there were some good things from it i think it was the type of win that they needed to have this year both teams were pretty undermanned but there were still some positives that you could take from it i think you gotta start with pascal siakam though right uh 30 points 10 rebounds six or six from the free throw line and all 24 of his points that weren't from the free throw line came from the paint and i think we're starting to see that old Pascal again. I feel like we said that before already this year. We have. But but it's back-to-back 30-point games. And he said after the game that his body's feeling better. He's taking care of his body better. So what do you make of his performance and, and, and how do you think that will translate moving forward? Yeah, I think that you have to be encouraged by the last two performances. But like you said, we've also said that about him this season already. Yeah. And he, he's just been a little up and down. So you just hope that he can string together um more of these type of performances and especially on the road i mean he's got they've got an eight game road trip like you said coming up they're gonna need sorry seven game road trip coming up or six game six game six game six game same there there eventually (laughs) six game road trip coming up they're gonna need him to continue playing at this level uh the interesting thing about him is like the the last time we did say it feels like he was siakam again uh i feel like all the attention was on his passing because that's when it seemed like he kind of made that leap as a passer but like you said He's kind of shined as a scorer the last few games, especially when it comes to getting into the paint where he's always always been at his best. The, the one thing that, and I talked about this with Kyle a couple weeks ago, the one thing I still have my, my eye on with him is his three-point shot mm-hmm. because it's just completely fallen off a cliff this season. Um, I think he's now three of his last 22 on threes. Not great. <laughs> which, look, Siakam, we just talked about. He's his best when he's, when he's getting to the basket and scoring the paint, being aggressive, getting to the free throw line, everything like that. But having that three-point shot was such a big development for him last year into an all-star starter. And it really does take so much pressure on him, off of him with the need to get to the basket Mm -hmm. because obviously that's just another weapon he can go to. So um, yeah, the last two games, certainly encouraging. And maybe on this road trip, maybe maybe he can kind of rediscover that three-point shot because you know whether it's the next couple weeks or the playoffs or two, three years down the line, he's going to have to kind of find that shooting touch again. Yeah, it's interesting you point that out uh, watching the game. Leo Routens doing the broadcast was almost discouraging uh, Pascal from taking the, the the three ball. And I think it, because it hasn't been falling for him, and like you said, it takes pressure off him and it adds another dynamic to his game. And actually a weird stat that, that now that we're kind of on the subject. Last night or, or that Sunday night win over Orlando was the first game this season in which Pascal Siakam scored 20 or more points in the Raptors won. Before that, they were 0-7 in the games in which he scored 20 or more points, which I don't think it has the correlation that it would, would suggest that it has. It's just I think it ended up being kind of a weird statistical anomaly. But um, I think it's finally good to see him have a big night in a 
win, which is a big thing. Two other guys had big nights statistically for the Raptors in that one. Uh, Kyle Lowry, 12 points, but also had a 15, 15 assists, really was setting a lot of people up. I think, interestingly enough, uh, the most assists that he dished out went to DeAndre Bembry. So they've got a little bit of a uh, chemistry going there. Another guy, Aaron Baines, eight points, but 16 boards, one shy of a career high. And also on the defensive end, he didn't do it by himself, but he made life difficult for Nikola Vucevic, who was five for 18 from the field. He just, it doesn't matter if it's if it's Gasol or Serge Ibaka, he sees a Raptor across from him or Aaron Baines now, and he just seems to forget that he's an all-star caliber player. So those two guys obviously are older guys and Aaron Baines has been struggling to find his way, but it seems like things are starting to trend positively for him so so am i reading too much into him having a big night against the magic or or is it something that we should be encouraged by i, I mean I, I think it's something you have to be encouraged by just because he got off to such a bad start this season to the point where i mean why he played 28 minutes in their season opener mm-hmm. and then within what felt maybe six or seven games later he was getting dnps that's crazy. um and he couldn't he couldn't come off the bench now he's played 20 plus minutes in his last three games um his numbers you know up and down in those games but he's had back-to-back double-digit rebound games I thought he played pretty well against the Bucks Mm. um but I I do think one he looks a bit more comfortable on both ends of the court like it's I think one one of the interesting things about Baines is that he had such a good season last year but it's also Mm. easy to forget that he didn't play in the bubble and he also got COVID before the bubble so I I feel like the combination of that stuff and a new team in what is just a weird season for the Raptors playing in Tampa um, I, you know, it, it's natural for, for a newcomer, a guy like that to kind of take some time to ease in. The problem with the Raptors is they just needed him to be good from day one because they're losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka and they needed him to start. But I, I do think he just looks a little bit more comfortable on both ends of the court lately. And, and I think some of the matchups that the Raptors have had lately have, have kind of suited him more. Um, the, the, the other interesting thing for me is obviously they've, they've moved on from Alex Lyon yeah. about a week, 10 days ago. And I mean, it, it does just kind of seem now like when they play against Nikola Vucevic, Baines is probably going to get a lot of minutes because he can match up better with him physically. And then any other matchup, any team that goes small, any team that likes to run or anything like that, Chris Boucher is going to get more minutes. So, you know, they, they've kind of honed in, I guess, on, on that rotation, all that kind of look against it. Um, so, so yeah, you ha- I think you just, you have to be encouraged because any anything you can get positive from the Raptors from their center play this season is uh, is a home run at this point. That's true. That's true. It's interesting. You also talk about the rotation and the depth and the depth has been put to the test. The injury bug hasn't bitten this team like it did last year. And let's knock on wood that it doesn't, but it has bitten, uh, you know, the, these most recent games, OG Ananobi's dealing with a calf issue, which we are learning is no joke. I think you don't, you don't rush back from a calf issue. Norman Powell is dealing with a quad issue. Actually, Terrence Davis was inserted in the starting lineup and had a solid night, 12 points, uh, was two for five from three, five for 11 from the field. Um, but I think the big concern was that this team wasn't as deep as it has been in years past. And and I don't think it is, but I do think that they're deeper than we thought uh, that they are. There, there are a couple guys who you and I have both taken time out to write about so far and multiple times this season, actually. And if you have not read it, you can go over to NBA.com and check each of those stories out. Um, but, but the guys I want to focus on, Yuta Watanabe, Stanley Johnson, and DeAndre Bembry, who uh, stepped up in, in a big way in the, in the most recent Magic game. But but let's start with Yuta. Um, Carlin Gay over on NBA.com wrote about him after the Indiana Pacers series. And then you follow back up after that Kings game. Just the type of effort that he brings to the table, the, the way that he makes plays that 
are, are what coaches always call game winning plays, you know, whether it's uh, with his effort, but he, I think he's much more skilled than he gets credit for being. So in watching him play and in breaking some film down, what's impressed you most about Yuta? The, the Kings game was the one that really caught my eye because the, the Raptors, that, that was a disappointing loss. I think when you yeah. look at that three game losing streak, the loss against Indiana Pacers wasn't great, but the Pacers are a good team, even without Sabonis. And it was on the second night of a back to back. The Bucs are the Bucs, and quite frankly, they're a much superior, far superior team, and they, the Raptors were just outmatched. The Kings was a game that the Raptors should have won, and they found themselves down by double figures. Um, it looked like the fourth quarter that the Kings were just going to run away, and Utah played that entire fourth quarter, and I think completely changed the game, along with Bembry, just with his energy on both ends of the court. Defensively, you know, he, he's a big wing who can guard multiple positions. He has long arms. There was, mm-hmm. There was, you know... One play where he when he dug in, forced a jump ball against uh, De'Aaron Fox, then picked him up after they lost the jump ball and kind of funneled him into Fred Van Vliet, moved his feet well. A few possessions later, he doubles Harrison Barnes in the post, comes up with a deflection that goes in and into court. And then he started the season shooting well from three, which I think was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. But now he also seems kind of like Baines. I think he's getting more comfortable doing other things, whether it's like putting the ball on the floor, attacking the basket, um, looking to cut more. And really, it's just that kind of player. I mean, we saw with Chris Boucher as well at the start of the season. He's cooled off a little bit. But having a guy who can come off the bench, bring you energy, make plays on both ends of the court that can kind of revitalize a team makes such a difference on nights like that because they're, quite frankly, struggling to find energy from anyone else. So he, he's been a real bright spot lately. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what the Raptors do with him because he's on a two-way contract. And I think based on the way that he's been playing lately, you'd think they would reward, reward him if he can continue playing like this um, with a guaranteed contract. But, you know, we'll see what happens on this road trip. It's easy to kind of play. I say easy, but, you know, playing well for two or three games is one thing and doing it over an extended stretch is another. But... Um, I, I do think he has been a bright spot for the Raptors lately. And it's, it's really encouraging to see for a guy like that too, who's what in his third year has basically just been on two-way contracts um, and, and kind of finding his way now. Yeah. Something he talked about after the, the magic game as well, just listening to him really talk about his journey and, and not really thinking he was going to get an opportunity like this. I, I believe he spent his first two seasons with the Memphis Grizzlies organization, played for the Memphis hustle uh, as a two-way guy. But, but getting these opportunities because of the injuries and because the Raptors are just trying to figure things out, he's getting way more minutes than he probably would have gotten in the majority of other situations that he got himself in. And it's also worth noting that he was a training camp invite. He, he wasn't brought in to be the two-way guy. He uh, was a beneficiary of Paul Watson's contract being converted into a regular deal, and he was brought up. And you mentioned that, too. I think he is still catching people by surprise a little bit. Um, you know, number 18 isn't necessarily on the scouting report just yet, but at the same time, it is difficult to hard again to scout against um, effort plays and scout against hustle because Absolutely. you know if you're the guy who, who plays harder or who's the first one to the floor or the first one to the lose ball those things always happen and I think that gives this team a, an edge and it fits within uh, the the culture and, and the way that this team has always kind of prided itself on being that kind of ball club um, certainly interesting because you know you always talk about the developmental diamonds that this team has and their ability to find guys and and, and be you know become that two-way guy because again shout out to Chris Boucher was definitely in this position as a two-way guy then converted and then the G League MVP and now a rotational guy who's had big nights for the team this year but you never really thought about it coming uh, in the form of hustle in the form of effort plays in, in those game when he plays in the trenches which I think is one of those things where 
there wasn't one specific guy. I guess you can talk about Rondé Hollis Jefferson as a guy who left that, that, that really brought that. But I think that the, the guys who left were very skilled, but also had a little edge to them. Serge had a little edge to him. Um, you know, Marcus Saul had a little edge to him as well in, in that respect. And I think that, combined effort uh has been made up in different ways obviously these guys aren't centers but um the other guys that, that I kind of mentioned as well Stanley Johnson I wrote about um after the series or in between the series against the Hornets um he has gotten some bigger minutes and you know it, it's difficult and I understand for him it, it probably takes a lot of um, I don't want to say soul searching, but but it does take it's a process being a top going from being a top 10 pick to, you know, you really have to perform on this, which is probably would have been his last NBA contract had he not performed the way he's performing right now. And he still has, you know, a full season to continue to, to, to kind of play up to that level and, and stick around. But finding his niche on the defensive end and being that guy who can use his physical traits and physical abilities to make things difficult. I think that's all the Raptors want from him. everything else is, is a bonus, right? Like he's athletic. He can finish around the rim when he's in the ability to do it. He's not the best shooter, but if he can come out and be a, a defensive game changer for, you know, whether it's eight minutes or 20 minutes, we saw he got into Luka Doncic's head a little bit and made him frustrated. Luka threw an elbow. If he can be that kind of guy, then I think the Raptors can trust him moving forward. Yeah, it's kind of like what we were saying with Utah. I think even if these guys are limited offensively, and that, that's that's a different problem, but if they bring it every night defensively, play with energy, make the right rotations, can make plays, there's going to be minutes for them mm -hmm. because coaches are always going to find players like that or move them into the rotation, even if they're limited offensively. And yeah, Stanley Johnson is another great example of that because it always seemed like, I, I think part of that comes with the pressure of just being such a high pick in the draft, yeah. right? Yeah. Because these guys are just billed as being franchise saviors or, you know, future all-stars. And that, that's the, the lens they've viewed in. If you're a number six pick in the NBA draft, yep. everyone always talks about you as a potential all-star down the road. Um, and I, I think you're right for Stanley Johnson to kind of go from that player who clearly, you know, clearly he's not that player. He, yeah. He's not good enough to be a number one option or a number two option on a very good team on offense. Um, he's best to be a defensive-minded player who can kind of knock down the occasional three and maybe make a play here or there. Um for him to kind of to, to buy into that. And I, I wonder how much of it was, you know, being on the team last year that just surprised everyone um, and he didn't play much, you know, maybe, maybe being in this system for a year, knowing what's needed from him to get minutes um, and seeing that now, because, you know, he's played well for a few games. He Again, defensively, he's played really well. And I think he's learned that as long as he keeps bringing that, minutes are going to be there for him. So I the problem with this team, I think that the, the bench in particular is that there's just – there's no one that you can go to every single night knowing that you can get something from them. Yeah. And like you said, that was Serge Ibaka. Like Ibaka started a lot because Marcus was injured last year, but you could count on Ibaka every single night to give you 15, potentially 20 points per game. Um, Chris Boucher started the season on fire. He's kind of come back down to earth lately. Um, Norman Powell has played his best basketball this season as a starter. You know, Utah's given them something, but th there's just... There's just no one there who can really make up that difference in the scoring column, um, which I think is part of the problem. But it's also encouraging to see, again, guys like Utah, Stanley Johnson and DeAndre Bembry bring it defensively um, and really light a spark for this team when they've needed it most. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned you said it pretty, 
best right there. Um, you know, DeAndre Bembry is another guy. He had 12 points off the bench in that Magic game. But they are going to be games where he only scores four points and is more impactful than he was when he scored 12 points. Because, again, he's I think there's a lot of overlap in the fact that he's a gritty guy, hustle guy. And that's what I wrote about him when he when he first signed with the team, what he brought to the, to the Raptors. I, I highlighted a couple of hustle plays he had, you know, last year with the Hawks, you know, whether it's harassing people, you know, as they bring the ball up the floor or, or, or playing the passing lanes and just making those effort plays that some guys don't want to make on a nightly basis. Um, so it does make it interesting. You, you try to wonder where that scoring punch can come consistently. Can Norm figure it out? Can Terrence Davis, you know, be a, a, a guy? And, you know, again, the young player, second, second year player who makes a lot of questionable decisions on the floor. Um, so, and I know it's frustrating. And, and, and again, a cyclical clue too, because DeAndre Bembry seemed to have gotten chances earlier in the year, then kind of fell out of rotation. Now Matt Thomas has fallen out of the rotation, um, which is another thing that's kind of interesting to keep an eye on. You, you mentioned too. Yeah, Malachi Flynn, another guy who's again rookies, very difficult uh, to to kind of do things like that. And the Matt Thomas situation is interesting because I know you mentioned that when we talked about the training camp roster, his contract is doesn't become guaranteed, I believe, until the end of the month. Correct? That is a good point and something I completely forgot about. Um, I believe you're right on that. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'll, it's a partial I'll, guarantee. Yeah, it's partial guarantee. So I was kind of looking through the the per NBA.com anyway. Uh, contracts become fully guaranteed um, on February 27th. It's actually interesting. I'm just trying to find that and figure that out because I had completely disregarded the fact that there is a roster spot due to Alex Lynn being released. So the conversion of Utah's contract shouldn't be as difficult as it, as it might be because they have an empty roster spot. But um, if Matt Thomas stays, you know, kind of out of, out of that rotation, they could move, they could look to um, try and bring somebody else in. I don't know who it could be. I don't know who's out there who could get bought out. And if a guy who gets bought out would want to join the Raptors, but I, I, there are a lot of moving parts because regardless of, of how that happens, um, you know that there there's limit limitations in Utah being a two-way guy. He can play in a maximum of 50 games. So uh, that would mean that they need a new two-way guy, which is also very relevant as the NBA G League bubble is set to tip off on Wednesday, February 10th. It's similar to the NBA's bubble at Walt Disney World Resort, the Raptors 905 one of 18 teams participating as well as the developmental G League Ignite that is the next, I guess, the next generation of NBA stars and could revolutionize the preps to pros concept uh, with with basketball. We'll have more on that uh, over on NBA.com. There are a lot of Canadian guys playing in the G League as well this year. So that'll be something worth following. Also coming up again, the Raptors are, are heading up the road to Orlando, and, and we kind of talked about this upcoming stretch a little bit. Uh, it's a six-game road trip. Starts in Orlando, then they'll make stops in Brooklyn, Atlanta, Memphis, Washington, and Boston before returning back to Tampa for one game. Nine of the next ten on the road. What do you think about this upcoming stretch? There are some tough teams, <laughs> some tough tests yeah. on here. At, at least Brooklyn and and. Boston, to a certain extent, they'll be without Marcus Smart most likely, but Atlanta's been much better, and Memphis is playing some really good basketball as of late. And shoot, Washington has found some magic, at least in their, in their most recent win. So uh, what are you thinking about the, the challenges ahead for the Raptors? It's funny because I feel like every single time we've done this podcast, we've said that there's an important stretch coming up for the Raptors. <laughs> right. And I'm just going to say it again because, to be quite frank, like I, I still don't really know what to make of this team just because yeah. it feels like they've been so inconsistent game by game on both ends of the court. Uh, so, so I do think this is an important stretch. It's against some good teams. Again, like the Magic haven't been good lately, but they're a team that could be the Raptors if they don't show up. 
um, Vucevic in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I, we talked about it. It's for some reason he just is not doesn't play to the level he usually does against the Raptors. But it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out for thirty and ten the next game if the Raptors don't take care of business against them. Um, the Nets are probably the the most fascinating team in the NBA right now. Three headed monster in Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. You got to be locked in defensively to go against them. Uh, the Hawks have been one of the surprises this season. They've been a little bit up and down, but they've been a little bit better lately. Uh, Trey Young is an offense un- unto himself. Clint Capella has been playing really well. The Grizzlies, I think, might be right, right in the, the longest win streak in the NBA right now. If not, it's up there. I think they've won five or six in a row. John Morant, again, is going to test their defense. The Wizards with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And then that Celtics game, even if they're without Marcus Smart, it's going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah. So yeah. all of that is to say, this is going to be a very rough stretch for the Raptors. It could be. Um, it's going to test them on both ends of the court. They're going to have to be locked in. They're going to have to potentially do it without OG Ananobi. I know Nick Nurse said after the first Magic game that he's, they're probably going to be without him for another week, which puts it pretty much at the end of this road trip, which means you know more pressure on Yuta, Stanley Johnson, DeAndre Brembry to keep, keep bringing it. Um, but the the other thing that really jumped out to me, and I don't know if you felt this way too, but but looking at this, looking at their schedule right now, once you get past this six game road trip, it there's not that much left in this first half of the season. Uh, yeah, like it's 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 quickly you know th- these games are coming fast and furious, and it's easy to get lost in it. But we're going to be 30 games into to the Raptors season pretty much by the end of this road trip. Um, and at, at you know at that point, I think it's it's going to be pretty fair to. Uh, Maybe not completely throw out small sample size, but we should have a pretty good idea. Again, we say this every single time. Yeah. It's an important <laughs> yeah. stretch coming up, but once you get to that 30-game mark, especially in a 72-game season, I feel like you have a pretty good sense of what a team is. So, so yeah, an- another important stretch for them. Yeah, for sure. And I like the point that you pointed out that, you know, I think we've been able to get away with using that small sample size concept for so long just because of how unique the year is. Like you, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, on top of it being a, a, a short season and um, a truncated training camp period, this team is playing in a place that isn't technically their home. And there has not technically been, a, you know, a, a resolution on whether or not they will be returning, you know, to Toronto for the second half of the season. And I'm sure that we probably would have heard about that by now, but at the same time, you know, it's still another month until this first half of the season ends. So, there's so many moving pieces and moving parts and, and and obviously just the roster turnover and all of those things that have impacted this team um, up to this point of the season. It, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I, I don't I think we're, you know, I think the Raptors are kind of, you know, in the area that they're going to find themselves. If the season were to end right now, they would be uh, the final play in team to make it. Um, and they're behind teams like the Knicks and the Hornets and the Cavs, who I think that. Yeah, I mean, the Crabs are having a, a, a great season by their standards or basically, I won't say by their standards, but considering the fact that they're kind of rebuilding, they're, they're having really yep. great success. But, you know, I think the Raptors have some wiggle room to move up their teams. They can they can move up against. I, I do think that they'll look back at, at some of those blown leads and things and probably kick themselves a little bit because there are some wins that, you know, they wish they probably could have back uh, from earlier in the year. But I, I do also think that they're, aside from that Pacers game, there hasn't really been a win that the Raptors have, like, oh, we really stole that one. We shouldn't have gotten that one. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's more that you can think of, that, but the Pacers one comes to mind immediately. Um, but they have a couple of those down the line, I would think, They're, especially the way the season is, is, is set up. It is really hard to beat the same team two times in a row. So you might be able to steal one from Philly when you play them back-to-back, or you might be able to steal one from Milwaukee when you play them back-to-back. So those things are, are, are ahead of the Raptors in this first half. Uh, of the season it all starts 
tomorrow, Tuesday, February 2nd, as they travel up I-4, which I learned about recently. I-4, the, the war on I-4 is what Orlando Magic social media called it uh, to take on the Magic second time in three days on Sportsnet 7 p.m. Then they head out to Brooklyn for the back-to-back. It's a lot of travel, I think. They try to minimize tra- travel. I think it's a pretty far trip to go from Brooklyn to uh, Atlanta back-to-back nights. I'm no uh, geography expert, but I do know a little bit, and I think that's that's pretty tough. So those are back-to-back games, Friday, February 5th, Saturday, February 6th, both games, 7.30 p.m. on on TSN. Might not be a lot of defense played, <laughs> at least. Probably not. Those are some high-scoring games. So if we're looking for guys for Toronto <laughs> to, to, to find their groove on the offensive end, uh, the ability to play against Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Washington on this trip, they they uh, if they don't find it by this trip, then they, they might just be out of luck uh, with that. And then again, they return back to Tampa for one game uh, on Valentine's Day. I believe that's against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So there'll be plenty of love shown there on V-Day. Speaking of love, shout out to Vince Carter. Story over on NBA.com, giving back the Toronto community. Just launched a scholarship fund for um, teenage students to follow their dreams, follow their aspirations. And we've got that story on NBA.com and more information for you young listeners out there, how to sign up and apply. And again, follow your dreams. That and much more, again, coverage on the upcoming G League season. Raptors 905, again, new head coach Patrick Matambo leading the way. Nick Stauskas, another former lottery pick looking to get back to the league. Jeremy Lin, another big name playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors. And some Canadians, uh, Jalen Harris is the two-way guy with the Raptors who will be there. Dewan Hernandez, you might know the name. He was the Raptors' second-round pick last year. He will be playing for Raptors 905 as well. And then you look around the league, you see Nazmi Long. Uh, O'Shea Brissett, Justin Jackson back in the league, Kareem Mane, a bunch of other guys as well. And we'll have coverage for that as well over on NBA.com. That'll do it for this time. Thanks for tuning in to the Raptors Pod Table podcast. Again, check us out on NBA.com for all the Raptors coverage and everything else around the NBA, especially coverage leading up to the 2021 All-Star Game, which is not official, but not unofficial yet either. Voting is live, so head on over to NBA.com and vote for your All-Stars. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.